And now the weather. Expect partly cloudy skies with an excellent chance of maximum refunds. Wait, that can't be right. Oh, but it is. Who are you? I'm April. And we could see refunds raining down all tax season with people switching to Tax Act. Tax Act? The tax filing software that makes it easy to file for less and get more. New forecast. It's sunny days ahead for everyone using Tax Act. Always happy to brighten your day. Tax Act. Switch to Tax Act today and start for free. See taxact.com for details. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Get Out of Wrap. Today, as part of another episode in the theme of looking at some exciting stuff um, behind the scenes with Sabio, I'm joined by Lindsay McEwen, who is the head of hosted platforms at Sabio. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Martin. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. No, it's great to, it's great to have you on. And I'm really looking forward to uh, the topic, which is we're going to be talking um, or you'll be sharing kind of your experiences as women in um, as a woman in contact center software and technology. And I think it's, thankfully, I guess it's very relevant these days. There's a lot of people talking about um, this. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. But let's start with, um, first of all, how, what's been your career? How are you here today? Um, today, what's been your sort of journey? Yeah, I mean, interestingly, I didn't start out in the contact centre world or any, anywhere close to it. Um, I, I did my degree, um, what feels like a long time ago, at um, the University of the West of Scotland, so Paisley Uni, as we, we called it back then. Um, and that was in computing science, and I hated it. So I, I swapped. <laughs> I was not, I'm not a natural coder at all. So uh, swapped halfway through and did a, finished my degree in business, IT and e-business. And then... Um, and part of that was a, a year out I took to go and work at Sun Microsystems. So I did an internship as part of my degree um, over there. Um, and I worked in their kind of business uh, operations team. And that, that was good to get that real world experience of, of what it was going to be like post-university. Post um, and then from there, I went on to work for a loss adjusters, actually, as a, an MI analyst. So kind of looking at their data. Um, but again, didn't, didn't really enjoy it. So moved on from there and decided to go down the technical route. So it would become a bit of a, an IT techie um, and started off as most techies do in first line support. So I did my first first line job and I was uh, resetting passwords and all of that sort of good stuff for um, for a contact center for Thomas Cook, actually, it was at the time. Really? Yeah. Um, and then uh, progressed from there, as you do in first line roles, you, you, you know, you progress on. And I ended up doing desktop support for um, M&Co, so the retail clothing shop M&Co, out their head office in, in Shannon. Um, and that's where I probably got my first um, kind of step into telephony in that kind of world when I um, implemented their Cisco uh, contact centre. Uh, for them um, as part of a project as part of just desktop support I just got the opportunity to do it and um, and again kind of outgrew that role so decided to move on again but didn't really know what I wanted to do so I was a uh, 
approached by a recruitment consultant to go and interview and it turns out that was for Sabio and 14 years later I'm, I'm kind of here so um, I always say it's a good sign when you when you've been at a job for that long um, and and within Sabio I think I've had seven jobs so I started off on the service desk continuing my technical career um, moved through into becoming a technical specialist and I, I focused on kind of multi-channel um, so I was a, a kind of expert in web chat and a kind of voice self-service and all that sort of good stuff um, but I always knew I wanted to be kind of more on the operational side so I didn't quite know what I wanted it to look like and it's always been that way through my career never really known what exactly what it was I want to do um, so then went into team team lead um, and then from there went into kind of operational management and then for a few years, I managed our on-site teams, so our dedicated customer support teams. And then I also did a bit of transition management for Sabio as well, and I've done that for a number of years, um, where we onboard new customers. If customers are leaving us, then we make sure they get a good experience when they leave us, because we, we do work in a small industry, and the likelihood is that they, a lot of our customers end up coming back. Um, and making sure projects get handed into support correctly and all of that um, sort of stuff. And then... Just last year, um, moved into my current role, which is head of hosted platforms, which is looking after our um, private cloud proposition for our customers. So um, customers who are going on the journey from um, kind of more traditional on-premise, but are not quite ready for the public cloud. Um, we have an offering within Sabio, which is a private cloud, which is the security and the pain taken away for you. And we manage the applications and all the security and patching and everything that comes with that. Um, and then the customers keep the operational um, management of their contact centre. So I run um, a team of technical engineers who um, keep that platform up and running every day. And I just um, help and support and mentor them as best I can um, day to day. So that, that's where I am now. And that's uh, 14 years later in Sabio. So, yeah, that's that's my journey so far. Like you say, it's testament to um, a company that can keep you engaged, interested, mm you know, for, for that length of time, because it's not particularly common, is it, I guess, um, today. But there's, there's a lot to unpack. I love that. There's one bit that stood out for me that I can really resonate with. And it's that feeling of not quite knowing mm. where, and it's not like they're wild variations, right? It's not like yeah. you say, one day I want to I want to join the fire service. And then, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, um, and I think sometimes that is, perceived incorrectly because it's not yeah. a bad thing you're, you're testament to the fact that it's okay to not have absolute certainty yeah like people that listen to this um some of the demographics uh, stats i get show that it's it's people that are um maybe young they're younger they're kind of maybe their first kind of positions within the industry yeah. and um that could you just talk through about how that how that has manifested itself like you um kind of going well I'm not quite sure so it means you can be more flexible I guess right yeah I mean I think the the old saying in businesses change is the only constant right so that for me I mean having a plan is, is is brilliant as well if you if you've got your career and you you know exactly mm. what you want to do and what you want to achieve then that that in itself is is amazing and um, I, I kind of tip my hat to people that, that do that because I just I just can't do that um, and I think it's because I enjoy lots of different things I enjoy doing lots of different parts of lots of different businesses so I enjoy leadership and management I enjoy you know still getting stuck into an excel spreadsheet and actually still doing a little bit of the technical and keeping that knowledge in my 
head and enjoy lots of different things. I enjoy a bit of project management and 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 that's not a bad thing because it means you can be flexible and particularly when you know industries like the contact center industry that moves at such a pace and mm. you know even in Sabio you know I know you spoke to Jonathan um in one of the podcasts and he was kind of talking you through our journey in Sabio and you know we've changed so significantly even in the last two years during lockdown and um I, I don't think you can stay in one place um, for too long because either you know you miss potential opportunities um, or you know you, you kind of your career will stagnate a little bit because you're getting left behind the, the movement that is happening with tech so for me I think it's a great thing if someone doesn't know what they want to do and um, it just means you can pick and choose and you get you know if you're more flexible and a little bit more agile you can jump into an opportunity you know when it arises and it means you've got that nice breadth of kind of you're not a master of anything in particular but you're you know you've got lots of different skills that you can bring to the table so yeah that, that's what I like about it for sure. I think that kind of covering lots of areas is great for leadership. Yeah. You know, it, it for you, like you say, you just touched on the technical side, leadership side, project management, still getting into data, yeah. and you have experience in all of those. So you're able to not saying you, you don't you don't want to do people's jobs for them, but you have yeah. a you have a better understanding, right? To be able yeah. to lead. You can you can absolutely empathize with people that, that have to do that day to day. And I think that is, you know, you have to have that as a as a manager and a leader. You know, you have to be able to to empathize with your team in terms of what they've got going on. And if you've not experienced that yourself, that's really difficult to do. You know, I've I've been on the call face, I've done on the tools, I know what, what it feels like to be on call and I know what it feels like to get called out at three in the morning on a Saturday night and when you're like tired and you want to go to bed and you have to stay on a call for six hours and I know how all of that feels so when my team are going through those challenges you know I can fully relate back to what it was like for me so it just makes me a more rounded manager I think and a more rounded leader in terms of being able to empathise with the guys and give them you know, a different way of thinking potentially or a different solution or, or um, even just say, yeah, do you know what? I know, I know how that feels and I know it sucks, but, you know, here's what will happen off the back of it. So, yeah, de definitely having all those different uh, pockets of experience does help when you're, especially when you're managing a slightly bigger team who all, all need different things from you. So, yeah. I have to say, you made me, you made me smile then because um, the, the thought of back, you know, I, I've got experiences where, my interaction with the technical team, I always got on well with them and I made it a point to get to know them, um, hopefully to try and get my stuff like kind of to the top <laughs> of the list. <laughs> yeah. But um, it was always when we were doing either, you know, sort of transformative stuff, like we were putting a dialer once or we were changing big technical things. And I can remember, I thought I was doing long hours. I came in one morning and um, the, some of the technical team they all had cans of Red Bull and it was like <laughs> half seven in the morning. Their eyes were just <laughs> ma massive. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, but right. they just got on with it, you know. It's just, yeah. you never heard them complain really at yeah. all. They're some of the most resilient people in the world, techies, because they, they do, they have to come in and work a full shift and then they do on call and, you know, they get called out at ridiculous times of the day and night. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm not doing that anymore, but I can fully, um, Really appreciate what, what the guys go through on a on a kind of daily and weekly basis. It, you know, it takes time away from families and functions and events and all that sort of good stuff. And it's all for the, you know, the benefit of our customers and our business. So yeah, you can't help but appreciate what they do for sure. And it's a bit of a gap actually. There's been um I've had uh it's opportune that you're on because I've had some messages about people saying 
uh, I tend to have a bias towards talking about that kind of operational uh, progression, right? So agent, team leader, and so on. Yeah. But then maybe you branch off into HR or training. Yeah. One of the things that people have asked about is this kind of technical, because if you think about our industry, it is a very technical orientated, technology is very, very important. Yeah. Um, and there's huge opportunities for, for everyone. And you've kind of done that, that journey. What, what lessons would you pass on to people around um, how to get into it? And when they're in it, what should they be doing to progress? Yeah, I mean, the progression thing, particularly in technology, is always a conversation that I talk to with my team because I think, and it's a kind of historic, kind of archaic view, I think, and we still have it, that in order to progress, you have to go into management or you have to go into leadership. And it's it's just not the case. Yeah. And, and I think even from a management perspective, we even have that view that in order for someone to progress, the next stage for them is to become a manager. Um, and that that's the wrong attitude to have as far as I'm concerned, because not everyone is like a, a, a good manager you know not every techie is, is going to turn into be a great manager they're, they're two completely different different skill sets um and you know I've done both of them um but that but I always in the back of my mind knew that I wanted to go down the route of management but um most techies want to be techies and that's what they want to do and so for me what the, the advice I would give to people that are in that position is if you want to stay technical, then you can. And the opportunities to do that are now massive. So they maybe weren't as great before because you got to a certain level and there wasn't really that progression into the next step. But the movement that we have into the, the different vendors that are coming on board in terms of the technology stacks that we're supporting, um, the, the move into public cloud and the, the kind of opportunities that that's bringing, um, you don't have to worry about what your technical career is going to look like. You might have to reskill slightly, um, but again, that's not a bad thing because the opportunities that are there are massive. So, you know, you can move into a little bit of public cloud, you can move into a different, you know, the vendors. They're all different, but the technology stacks are normally the same roughly underneath. So to reskill doesn't take a lot. And, and that's what we're doing um, in Sabio just now, because we have gone from being, you know, a couple of vendors to that this kind of multi-vendor business. And a lot of our guys are having to go on that technical journey um, at the moment. So I would say don't don't feel like you have to go into management. That's not your only route. Um, if you want to do it, brilliant. And, and if you can get someone to support you in that journey, then that's amazing. But, um, you know, if you want to stay a techie, then then there's no reason you can't. And the amount of opportunity that's out there just now is, is phenomenal. It's exploded really probably in the last kind of 12 to 24 months. So, yeah, just just, you know, think about what it is you want to do, what kind of area you want to go down. But, yeah, there's no reason to stop you from from kind of doing anything you want to do. A lot of the certs are free now. There's lots of free training out there. Um, so, yeah, just just go for it. But don't feel like you have to be pigeonholed down a particular mm. route because um, you, you don't. And I guess if you have a growth mindset, it's an area that is future proof because there's yeah. there's always new tech, there's always new opportunities to yeah. to learn. And I completely buy into your thought around um, progression doesn't have to be hierarchical linear, no. does it? It doesn't have to mean I progress that way on an org chart. It can be about your development, your skills, go and earn more money, get more yeah. whatever it might be. Um, so I absolutely um, buy into that, that it's not just one one route for for everyone. Yeah, we need to stop seeing that way as the only route. You can go sideways, down the way, backwards. You know, if you have to go backwards to get to a new route, that, mm. that's okay too. It doesn't yeah. have to just be 
up the way to the top of the chart to try and you know take the CEO's job. That's not that's not the only route, and it's it's not actually the best route a lot of the times either. It doesn't always give you the best opportunities. So yeah, for sure. That is and is a good starting point. Is a lot of people starting point that first line support? Then is that where most people cut their teeth? Yeah, I think so. I think for a lot of people that go into a technical role, I think it's very similar from a tech to even in the contact centre world. A lot of people start off their life as an agent or we start off your life as a first line techie. So a lot of people start on our service desk and we've even got a kind of slightly level below that where it's a kind of triage event management type role. And it just it gives you um, the opportunity to experience everything. So you don't have to specialise at that point. Um, and it's a really good um, avenue into seeing what it is you want to do. And that, that I think, is, is the route in for most people. They'll start on that first line um, kind of area and then they'll, they'll kind of say, oh, actually, I quite like working with dialers. Or that was exactly me. That was my journey. I was like, I quite like these dialer things. I'll go and have a wee look over <laughs> here and then got into kind of multi-channel from there and um, and just kind of, seeing the bits that I like and actually thinking, you know, some people don't move from the service desk types arenas because they like the broad spectrum. Um, so they become really skilled at being that, that jack of all trades. Um, and again, that's okay as well. You don't have to progress if you're comfortable and happy where you are. So yeah, for sure, I, I think similarly to like the contact centre environment, all people start their life off as an agent and then they progress from there. It's the same in tech. You start off as a kind of service desk agent and then you work your way up from there. Um, it's generally how, how tech goes. There's probably some people that the equivalent of you from my past. I don't know. I was always friendly, um, but I don't know if I was the best internal customer because <laughs> I would be saying, I, "Can the can the dialer do this?" Well, no. <laughs> it, well, you say no, but it can, can't it? And then just be like, <laughs> "No, it absolutely can't, Martin." I said, "Well, I want it to though." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we've got we've got lots of Martins. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, one one service that one team technical team that I worked with drew a diagram, and it and it was like they were aiming it at a five year old to <laughs> explain to me how something how how it worked. It was brilliant. Um, yeah. I just the other thing, do I guess like as well as communication and like just resilience. Hmm. Um, we, I had the opportunity to work on a project where we were doing a lot of co analyzing calls into service desks. And one of the things I found, and it would just be, just want to check with you as your lived experience, right? One of the things that we found, uh, it was quite a small sample size, but when it comes to technical requests, people are quite impatient, more impatient mm -hmm. than other areas. It seems like it's kind of okay to be a bit impersonal maybe even rude and these yeah. are kind of your own tech they're your own colleagues you might be separated by distance might be a huge company but people are seemingly have far more uh, far less kind of patience when it comes to wanting something sorted out is that is that fair to say or yeah I, I would agree with that I think when it comes to tech um I think everyone's got a perception that change, changes to the system or additions to the system just ha can happen really quickly. And, and I can kind of understand that from, from, a, from the other side as well, because generally the change you're asking for is going to impact your role um, or, or you can't do something because you don't have it or, you know, you can't, you know, do that project or you can't. So looking at it from both sides, I can kind of understand why, because tech is such an important part of people's jobs, um, particularly nowadays. You know, if your laptop stops working or 
um, you know, your phone stops working, it's, it's almost like your arm's been cut off and you, you kind of stop being able to, you know, provide that value mm. that you, you give to the company or give to your customers or whatever it is. So I can kind of see both sides, but yeah, you're right. Like, I think people have this kind of, a kind of rose-tinted view that, that tech is really easy and like you say you ask for something and you go well the tech can't do that and they're like yeah but I kind of need it too and you're like well yeah the tech can't do that though and you go through this cycle of, of that conversation and, and it, it gets to the stage where you have to draw that to okay here's what you want here's what you've got the two don't come together um so yeah so I, I think there is but I can understand I can definitely understand both sides as to why that might be the case because it is such a critical part of people's lives nowadays to not have mm. access to that tech can be quite um, debilitating so yeah mm. I can I can understand I can see why and as um so when we were talking about different um topics to to chat about kind of women in tech and contact center software um what's what's been what's been your experience or what what is it that kind of prompted us to be talking about this topic yeah, I mean, it's always been something I have been hugely passionate about, I guess. It's always been something that's been um, a lived experience and, mm. and through that lived experience has made me want to do more about it um, and, and kind of try and improve the experience for anyone else who who is within either my business or my industry or who um, my family, my, anyone at all, because I think... Um, when you speak to anyone about it, um, sadly, what happens is they all have a very similar story. Um, so, yeah, I mean, from my perspective, um, it, it goes back to, geez, when I was a little girl and I was, you know, talking to my gran and I was the kind of uh, the first uh, person in my family to go to university. So um, and it just so happened that I was the first girl in my family to go to university. So my gran used to sit down to me and she said, you know, she would say, you're so clever and you're going to do great things. And, you know, you're going to go to university. And you're going to be amazing. And that that conversation sticks in my head. Um but the reality of when I actually went to university and then got my first job was that there was no one there like me. Um, mm. and, and from that moment on, you know, every room I've walked into, every job I've walked into, I, I am a minority in, in that respect. And it does have an impact on you. So, you know, at uni, I did a, a, I started off in computing science. There must have been about 250 people in the room and only a handful of them were, were women. And a lot of them dropped out. Um, so, you know, all the all the, the male lecturers um, were there. You know, my teachers in tech, even at school, were all were all male. I didn't have a, a female role model to look up to at all. Um, all the way through that that kind of uh, journey that I took, and then when I walked in uh, to my first job, I was the only female in the whole office. Um, and and it does have an impact because you don't have um, that kind of anyone to relate to and you don't have anyone who can understand you know your point of view or um, what's going on or what's happening and how you think and feel and you know having someone who just looks like you is you know amazing to have and I just never had that throughout my whole my whole career pretty much and my whole my whole um, journey into probably into to kind of Sabio when, when I started at Sabio but even when I started at Sabio um, at my first service desk I was the only girl on the service desk for, for a number of years so um, and we, we have got a lot better but even in the beginning when I first started there it was the same um, kind of problem there and unfortunately it doesn't it's not got a whole lot better even in the 20 odd years that I've been in the working environment um so you know I've, I've spent my my kind of years every year I go to the women in tech conference down in London and I, and I, and I kind of try and educate myself even to my unconscious biases um so that I can then take that back into the workplace and and kind of 
hopefully try and make a little bit of a difference to, to the women that are in our workplace, but also, um, you know, I love working with the younger generation. So I coach um, in my spare time an obstacle course um, racing team, but kids, really young kids. Um, and, you know, I try and make sure that they are resilient and learning all these skills early on, um, particularly the girls, because they do struggle a little bit sometimes. Um, so bringing them through and making them feel like they can achieve whatever they want and, especially in a world of social media, you know, because that that does really have an impact on, especially in young kids, you know, mental health um, and particularly in young girls. Um, so all of that kind of added together, I feel like there's a, a bit of a personal responsibility because I'm in the position that I'm in to, to kind of be the change because the change won't happen yeah. because there isn't there isn't the people in the in the roles and positions to help um, kind of manifest that change. So I feel like a bit of responsibility that I have to kind of uh, have that onus on me as well to, to make that change happen if I want it to happen, which which I really do. So I think you make so many really powerful points, you know, kind of and to step up and, and be a role model and talk about the experiences and kind of light the way for others coming mm-hmm. through. I just want to go back to um, and thanks for thanks for sharing. I think it's I think it's amazing, um, but that those first experiences of especially your first you know your first job. I can I was like you actually. I was, I was smiling because I was the first one in my family to go to uni. Yeah. And I think um, nanas and granddads especially think you're going to suddenly become like prime minister. Yeah, <laughs> and it's <laughs> great. Yeah, I love it. It's really nice. It's heart, it's heartwarming. But yeah. um, my first job was on the phones in a call centre in Wembley, and I was nervous. But I didn't. I was nervous, but I'd never at any point thought there wouldn't be people like me. Mm-hmm. Everyone was like me, you know. Yeah. And so that first experience of um, walking into the day one of the job, uh, and did, did you expect that you would be an anomaly in terms of? Um, no, I, I, I don't, I didn't think I did. Um, and, you know, even from the experience that I'd had at university being, being in that room, I didn't feel that way. I didn't feel like I was the, one of the only girls in the room. Um, but now that I look back on that experience, I think that has shaped some of my viewpoints and how I think and feel about what I try and put out in the world today. And um, and certainly walking into that first job, I was expecting there to be more. Um, someone's at the front door. Sorry, someone's at my front door. Um, <laughs> Google's telling me. Um, so yeah, so I wasn't expecting to, to not have um, anyone else there. And then even when even when people did come into the business that were that were women, um, they were in really um and I hate saying this, but typically female roles. So we ended up um, having a head of HR who was female. We had a, a business admin, kind of office manager type person. She, she was female as well. And um, there just wasn't that kind of uh, techie kind of like, uh, you can bounce off of people. So no, I didn't expect it, but from there on in, it became almost like, yeah, I know I'm going to be um, kind of in that minority. And it does shape your, um, your kind of views of the world for sure. How did you feel? How did it make you feel? Just uh, um, a little bit intimidated, I guess. I was still quite young when I left university, and it was my first job. Um, but even even now, um, going into jobs um, with the experience that I have, you know, um, I I suffer really badly, like really badly from imposter syndrome to the point where mm. I would probably potentially stop myself from going for an opportunity because I just mm. feel like I'm not 
good enough and I'm going to be overlooked for that opportunity. Now that has never happened in my, in my career. So I've got nothing to, to justify that, that mindset, but you know, you do feel intimidated. You do feel um, like you are a minority. You do feel like you don't have a voice. You do feel like you don't want to speak up and potentially talk about things that maybe aren't right or give your views or opinions or because you are, you are the sole person in that organization that, um, that looks like you, talks like you, has the same opinions as you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenging uh, time to go through when you, when you first walk into that, especially if you are like the, the only female in the room. It's tough. Was there a point um, in your career, uh, and we'll get to imposter syndrome, because it's something just over the last few years, mm. I've spoken to some um, amazing women who are very passionate about trying to shed, increase awareness, but break down, because really what you are do, what you have done and are doing now, you're, you're trying to break down entrenched societal norms yeah. that have been that are ingrained in everyone from birth, you know from being toddlers to yeah. the, the toys you play with the clothes you are given yeah that starts you on this kind of here here's your acceptable paths as a girl yeah. and a boy and you stay on them please because if you don't it, it, it it's like the matrix something's wrong yeah it seems, you know, it seems unusual yeah it's, it's, it, it there's, unusual. there's a glitch what's happening yeah. Yeah. um and it, it I like I say I think it's brilliant that you're just kind of not just you, you you're fighting to try and break that down yeah um how yeah my sorry, I, I got a tendency to ramble a little bit um, <laughs> especially about things I'm passionate about but <laughs> yeah me too um <laughs> But that was when was, was there a point? Um, maybe you still hadn't defeated imposter syndrome. I think if you have it, it's kind of always there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But was there a point when you thought, right? No, I. This isn't all. This uh, I'm going to continue in my career, but I need to do something to try and make this this better. Yeah. I mean, it only probably. I mean, I've always I've always had an active view on it, but probably only in the last. Oh, 12 months I would say has has have I actually kind of uh, sounds very kind of uh, cheesy but kind of found myself and been comfortable in my own skin enough mm -hmm. to to kind of uh, feel like maybe people want to hear what what I want to say yeah, a, yeah. a lot of the time previously I've, I've maybe not spoken up or um, maybe not had that opinion for for fear of being looked at as um, you know being challenging or you know I've been called intimidating and aggressive in my time and, and for me that was only because I spoke up about something or I was passionate about something um, but then you get labeled as intimidating and aggressive and all of a sudden you go back into your shell so um, it's probably only been in the last year where I felt more comfortable in my skin to say do you know what I'm at a level where I do have that um, level of influence now where I can I can have those conversations and feel like I'm being heard I've got a great support system um in, in Sabio just now so you know my direct line manager is, is is passionate about it as well so that makes me feel like I can be passionate about it which is a huge thing um and and being that kind of manager and leader you know my team is is 100% male I don't have any any females on my team so I'm that that's again that sole person there leading and managing that team but the problem is we're not getting people through the pipeline. So I would love to be, and I would love us to be more diverse, and I'd love the industry to be more diverse. 
but I think there's only so much that we can do um, because if you're not getting the pipeline and the talent through, then you can't pick from a diverse pool of people because you just don't have them. And that, you know, businesses can do as much as they want in terms of blind recruiting and making policies for their own staff. And that is amazing. And if we do that, fantastic. Let's keep on doing that. But for me, personally, my goal is to, is to see us fix it at a grassroots level, to see us fix it at that school level, at that university level, because that's where we're going to get the pool of people through. And then, then we can hire diverse people and then we start that progression through the company and we have more women in the business and we can, you know, have those conversations and it'll, it'll happen naturally. Um, I, you know, there's a great article, I can't remember the name of it, but um, they talk about, uh, you know, it's a study they did about a, a, a guy and a girl um, and they gave them the same persona, but the, the difference was just their gender and they kind of gave out to a bunch of university students and they all come back and said they, they quite liked the guy, didn't really like the girl for no other reason than, than just their gender. And the, the article went on to speak about kind of scarcity of roles. So if you, if you make the roles scarce within a business, then... Um, like it is in the wild then those roles you start to fight for them and and actually you end up starting to fight against each other so from a women in tech perspective if, if women perceive roles to be scarce they start fighting against each other which is completely the opposite of what you want to try and do and achieve so for me we want to try and bring that pool in from the bottom so we want to try and get the schools to you know have more teachers have more people have more people like me and other women and businesses going out and speaking to schools and speaking to universities to let the kids know what's available because um you know when when we when we speak to kids in the schools they still see tech as a male dominated environment and it is but they still have this perception that they can't break down those barriers they don't have again that role model to look up to their you know their computing teachers are a guy they go into university their lecturers are guys they don't have someone to give them that kind of viewpoint of actually what's achievable and I think there's a huge shift in the, the jobs that are available within the contact centre industry and the tech industry. You know, we're looking at more customer experience roles. We're looking at more UX design roles. It's, we're looking at those more artistic type roles. It's not just about being on the code and the techie side of it, but they just don't know what's out there because it's, it's not being fed to them in terms of what they could potentially do. So for me, that's the, the biggest thing. We need to get that information out to our kids to make sure they're aware of everything that's in front of them. Um, because in those more artistic roles, uh, women are better at it. Um, it's been proven. So we are better at that kind of customer experience, customer service, artistic, artistic style roles when it comes to design and development. But we're just not getting enough people through the pipeline to then let the businesses do what they need to do in terms of equality and diversity. So that's my personal opinion anyway. But, um, you know, the, the stats, the stats I looked at, you know, only 30 percent of girls um, in school are thinking about a role in tech. And that's just thinking about it. They then don't go on to, to do it. Um, so yeah, it's it's something I'm huge, as you can tell. I just it, I'm like you yeah, ramble on when I'm passionate about it. But you know, I did a I did a um, one of the things that sparked um, this podcast was um, I went to our um, women in tech conference, and I usually go myself, but this year I went out and I asked um, for a sign off for budget to bring more more um, of our female staff along with us, and we ended up taking like twelve. Uh, people with us on on the conference and and they got a lot out of it and then off the back of that I then did what we call a lunch and learn which is basically you get an hour to ramble on about everything you love and I did mine on women in tech and that was just to kind of give people a viewpoint of what it was like in my lived experience um, coming through Sabio and what it was like in tech and 
exactly this, like how we can um, potentially help our kids understand and realise, you know, the potential that's out there and try and get more people through um, university to eventually then have people to hire um, in the real world. So, yeah. Sorry, I went on a bit there. I, well, I'm just, <laughs> do you know what? It's kind of, it makes me very optimistic because yeah. passionate, articulate, successful people like you can help, you know, change it, change it, change it for the, um, for the better. And I think it's just great. It, it's great to hear, even though it's about something that is, isn't great. And I think yeah. the, some of the phrases there that you used, I just love like, we generally, I think, it's commonly held um, view that we have a problem in the contact centre industry with um, attracting talent at yeah. the grassroots level. So it, it, it's going to be even harder for women in tech in contact centres because we can't yeah. even get the right numbers of people into contact centres. And I, like you, it, I think we shoot ourselves in the foot because at no point does anyone go out to schools or colleges and say, hey, everyone, uh, it's actually really good. Yeah. A, you can have great careers. You can do yeah. loads of different things. It's a good laugh. You can see the world. You can learn great skills. Um, and guess what? I mean, I, I, I was a bit naive, I think, that I thought, because most of my um, bosses in my career have been women, mm -hmm. my peer groups have been women, but the tech side of it, I kind of overlooked. And yeah. even, even in operations, just kind of, I've got so much more awareness around language that I use and kind of, the, the like you say, labels that are attributed to women that would never be attributed to yeah. men. You know, you make a forceful point in a meeting, then yeah, you there's labels that are attached to women that are just ridiculous that wouldn't yeah. be attached to to men but I I'm 100% with you it's kind of like we need much like the the services army that when they go out and they're recruiting and they're selling it we don't sell what we do yeah we, we, we don't go out there look look at you you've got a good career you're in a great company that you feel supported in and you've you've enjoyed it there's still more you can do mm. people don't see that they don't yeah. realize and we're losing we're losing people to retail and I'm not being dismissive of yeah retail or anything like that but we in our industry we've got far more opportunities there's more disciplines um I think it's a travesty and it's even more of a travesty if you're you'd have to be very brave like you to 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 know that you're going to be the odd one out pretty much all the time yeah, and it's a, it's tough, and particularly, I mean, in the contact centre world, a lot of the time it's someone's first job, but they're they're you know they go into it quite young, and I think it's harnessing that that talent and and building that through the business so that they become in the position where they feel a bit more confident that they can speak up and open up about it, and then getting those people out to say you know here's yeah. what you can do, you know we talk so much about what we do well from a tech perspective in terms of the technology we use and how that can help our customers and how that can help their experience but they don't talk about the people that sit behind that and the the the, the just the massive amount of passion and um you know expertise that they can bring to that technology because it's not the technology that does it a lot of the time a lot of the time it's the people that sit behind that technology that's what makes it that experience and we need to get those people out in front of people at, you know, fairs, recruitment fairs and yeah. you know, talking about all that. And, and that that to me is how we we 
foster that change. Um, you know, you can have EDI policies, you can look at the language you use as a business and try and resolve that. And we should be doing that as well. And there has been a massive shift in that as well. Um, and part of the reason for me doing the lunch and learn was to just to start that conversation um, and make people think about, you know, having a conversation with their kids at home about what they want to do and what they do. Because a lot of the time, you know, you talk about tech and you go, oh, what, what do you do, Lindsay? And you go, oh, yeah, you know, I look after a team that look after infrastructure and networking. And they go, oh, that's great, yeah. If I was to go home and say to the, you know, I did it a few weeks ago, actually. I was talking to someone in, in the gym and they said, what, what is it you do, Lindsay? And I said, well, here's an example. See, when you phone up to renew your car insurance and you click that button and you don't talk to an agent and you don't do it. And it just, oh, yeah, that's really brilliant. I was like, that's what we do. And they're like, that's amazing what tech do you, and then you get into a conversation about what technology you use and we should be doing more of that not just yeah. uh, working tech we should be making it visual for people to understand um and that's what's going to bring more women into business because that's what they want to see they want to see that the businesses are driving equality and diversity uh, diversity but there's got to be concrete evidence off the back of it you can't just say oh I, i've got an edni policy um you've got to have something off the back of it and if you can say, oh, we go out and do, you know, all these fairs and we look to try and get women in and we talk about, you know, we go to schools. And to me, that's much more attractive as an employer than just saying, oh, we've got an EDI policy. Yeah. Um, and, and that to me is the fundamental, um, you know, that to me, that's how, how we should be doing it. But again, that's just my, my, I, opinion, I, I agree. Yeah, that's, yeah. I agree. We, um, we I think we have to accept number one comes with acceptance that there's a problem yeah and but being okay with that not being yeah. ashamed not being ashamed of it because I think if you're if you're conscious about this and want to do something about it there is a frustration that you can't instantly make it better yeah you know like in um the company I work in in the leadership team there's more people called John than there are women yeah yeah you know and yeah. It, that's quite hard to say mm -hmm. because it, it's we're a lot, underneath at the grassroots level very diverse yeah it's brilliant but at this high levels but and I think we all had this kind of this cumulative guilt but rather than just going okay look we can't change that right now yeah. but what we can do is is do something about it like you say and it's got to be over and above just policies yeah that's that's just not going to change anything yeah, and and you know I, I'm probably a little bit reversing my my thinking with it as well because I'm not a believer that it that it has to come from the top either. Like um, mm, a lot of people say, yeah. oh, you have to have X amount of women on your board, and that that's where change comes from. And and I'm like, well, actually, it doesn't because you you know you say it doesn't happen overnight, but and it doesn't. But you could make someone's life change yeah. overnight, and and if you're making that one person's life a little bit better because you've had a conversation with them or you've you've kind of um, empathized with their, their you know the issue that they're going through then that has made that person's life much much better so you might not have you know broken the world by you know changing up how it works but you've made that one person feel amazing and they've gone away and got a different perspective on life and that that to me is how you instigate change so that person's going to go and talk about it and then that person goes and talks about it and all of a sudden you've got this wave of, of kind of movement in, in terms of how you change it um you know one of the things I tried to say and when I did my lunch and learn it was you know people shouldn't be afraid to have the conversation I think we're so PC these days we're so afraid to, to offend people um but my experience has been that if you come to the conversation 
and you actually genuinely want to learn that you might not say the right thing, but the yeah. person you're having a conversation with knows you're coming from the right place and they'll educate you. Um, yeah. And all of a sudden you've gone away with a massive amount of information that you can take away to be better. And this, this isn't about, you know, um, bashing all men and saying, oh, these are all rubbish and you're not doing it right and you're making women feel terrible. That That's not what it's about because I've got unconscious bias as well. Everyone does. We all mm. do it. It's about acknowledging that unconscious bias, like you say, because I, I genuinely don't think anyone's going out to make no. people feel terrible in their day-to-day job, but it is that archaic kind of behaviour. Um, and unless you're calling it out, it's never going to change. And that that's where... Um, you know, being, you know, I hate, I hate, I actually hate the word ally, but um, that, that's where being a good ally helps. It's not about, you know, sitting back and saying, yeah, I'm on board with that. That sounds great. Like crack on. It's, it's calling out that behavior when you see it. It's having those discussions. It's, it's not being afraid to get it wrong and maybe potentially offend a few people along the way. But yeah. if you're genuine about that conversation, then, you know, the person who you're speaking to is never going to turn that down and turn you away and say, you know, I'm not speaking to you because you've offended me. They'll, they'll help you understand and that that's how you instigate change is having those really tiny minute conversations on the on the face of it but that person's going to then carry that forward and that you know it's like when they say pay it forward that that's how it works yeah. you know that mm. that's how um, change works it doesn't work from your your ceo coming on board and saying right we're going to you know do no. equality and diversity that this is how we're going to do it nobody listens do you know what I mean with the best will in the yeah. world nobody yeah. listens um because in the majority of cases it's coming from a middle-aged white man so yeah it's um it's, an, it's interesting so yeah so that to me it's about people like myself having those small micro conversations and doing these small things like this to, to just say look we can have a different conversation and if you want to I'm here to listen and I'm here to educate and um and that's how you instigate the change I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more I'm very lucky and I think so much of it happens within relationships it all happens within relationships and community Um, because if you like you say I'm lucky that I have relationships with people that will allow me to educate myself in a messy way yeah you know so I often will kind of whether it's inadvertently or purposefully just check in on terminology or different different views and yeah when I look back and this uh, this is talking the last few years I look back and think oh god I can remember having this conversation (laughs) and luckily uh Helen was very gentle with me or or whatever (laughs) you know it's kind of um but it it, it is it is messy and it is um why don't you like the word ally just out of interest what's Uh, I I think it's just because it's become a bit of a buzzword um Mm. I'm not a big fan of buzzwords I think like they they tend to crop up and everyone uses them and and it just it just doesn't um doesn't have the impact that I think it, it, it probably could do I don't know what else I would call it I think it's a good word I just feel like it's getting used too much um and the, the conversation about um, ED&I. So yeah, I just, I'm not a big fan of it, but yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think there's something in that, in that um, if you think about the cause of a lot of these um, problems, because I think I'm with you in that this, this isn't about labeling different mm-hmm. groups and saying all men are bad or whatever. Yeah. For me, it's about um, everyone having the equal opportunity and, and not missing out on talent and not yeah. missing out on living people living their best lives if you think about the pandemic what that's taught us we've it's opened up our industry to sections of society that 
either couldn't commute or um, didn't feel like they could, you know, contribute. Yeah. And and they and they have, and and it's yeah. happened kind of on mass. It's taken a big reset, and uh, some of that is about thinking and thinking a bit deeper. And I think you're dead right about a term allows people to kind of think quite lazily yeah that there's not there doesn't need to be any thinking other than that term everyone goes yeah. oh yeah okay i understand that well you, you need to go a bit you need to go a bit deeper yeah and um, it allows themselves to tag themselves with it without actually doing anything about it so you know everyone can turn around and say i, I mean i'm an ally i mean I'm, I'm i'm totally on board with that and it's like all right okay see that meeting you were in last week this this happened did you speak up about it and they're like oh well, no and you're like mm. well you know are you actually living up to the the terminology that you're you're putting in and it's and you're so right like the the pandemic has been so terrible in so many ways but actually mm. has has sparked a lot of change um in in the contact center industry and the tech industry where we have opened ourselves up to you know a, a vast majority of people that we might never have got to to speak to or, or engage with and it's so important like every article you read that all the evidence suggests that having diversity in your workforce is there's no negatives around it, you know. Yeah, ROI, having, everything. Yeah, like mm. having that that just that difference of opinion, that different culture, that different, you know, the different mindset and how people think and feel. And, you know, you are bringing that into your workforce to then allow you to give the best solutions to your customers. And by not having that diversity in there, you're missing out on a whole chunk of your actual potential customer base that you can't service because you don't understand how they work. So, you know, there's there's absolutely no negatives to it whatsoever. Like, um, you know, you've got to be able to show that you can deliver that service to your customer, but every customer. Um, and the only way you can do that is by having the diversity in your workforce. So yeah, I think the the pandemic has opened that up to us a little bit in terms of getting access to those people who maybe we didn't have before. And, and that difference of opinion, just even in meetings and conversations is, is massive in terms of, um, kind of given given a better solution to, to, to your end users so yeah it's it's so helpful in so many ways that's why I'm so passionate about it in terms of trying to get um you know change happening so yeah because it's, it's nothing but positive but you, if you think back to you yourself in your early career and um kind of recognizing hang on a minute <laughs> I'm, I'm different to everyone <laughs> um and probably having to feel like you had to work harder and yeah um, get your point across more and it's uh, even in a very very tiny way I worked um, in a foreign country and everyone was absolutely lovely uh, lovely to me so it wasn't you know it's, and I'm no way saying it's similar but in a very yeah. small way that it was there were times when you felt I felt lonely because that mm -hmm. you there weren't obvious connections um, so I can't imagine what it was what it's been like to kind of plow a lonely furrow yeah and it, and, it ha and we are we are um, and I think that everything's moving in the right direction just really slowly um so the numbers are increasing but just like so slowly mm -hmm. um so we are going in the right direction for sure um but it is it is challenging and, and that's one of the the reasons why I want to you know be available if, if anyone in my business wants to talk about it or anyone in the industry wants to talk mm -hmm. about it because I have gone through that journey of feeling like I've had to work twice as hard for the same recognition. Mm. Now that might not be true, and a lot and a lot of that is um, does stem back to historic, mm. you know, mindsets and how I've 
felt when I've been working through organisations and I do I do feel that as a especially a woman in tech you do feel that you have to work twice as hard for the same recognition and you know you get questioned quite a lot of the time I, I remember a story um, not to blow my own trumpet but when I was a techie I was one of the only people in the world that knew anything about this technology to the level that I did and I still used to get phone calls from uh, people asking to speak to someone more senior with more experience and you would say to them you know there isn't anyone else this is it like you can't get in they were like yeah, yeah. and and you know I would call them out and say sorry is it a man you want to speak to is that is that the problem here and they'd be horrified but that's you know it's calling out those difficult conversations yeah. that is what they were asking for they were asking for something to be escalated into a more senior place um, and to speak to a man so yeah it's it's those little tiny things that just keep digging away at you so every time you come up against something you know you constantly question yourself you constantly question if you've said enough or or not said you know said enough or said too much you know I constantly um question myself as to whether or not I'm blabbering on like I'm um, today <laughs> um, and whether I'm speaking too much or you know I go into a meeting and I don't see anything sometimes and I'm thinking oh geez should I have spoken up are they going to think um, less of me because I've I've not said anything and you're constantly questioning your technical ability you're constantly asking questions all the time and you know it's not it's not to say that that, that guys don't go through this as well but the, the overarching majority is is that every experience um, a female in tech goes through the majority of the time they'll be having those thoughts and feelings they don't really ever go into a conversation confident in their ability um, and even to this day I still question you know if someone questions me over a decision I've made I've thought oh geez did, did I make the right decision is that the right thing you know have I done the right thing for my team there how are they going to think and feel about me because you know have, have I made the right decision for them and you know it's a never-ending uh, challenge just to to stop yourself in your own mindset and that doesn't come because I'm not good at my job that that comes through um just the historic you know working through that that process and having those little jibes every now and again and and working through the the little uh, microaggressions that you get and all, all of those sorts of things they, they stick with you um and and I guess in a way it probably has made me a a, a deeper thinker I guess so I do go through a lot of things if we look for a positive in it all I do make sure that you know I've thought through things in a lot of detail before I make a decision um but yeah it's it sticks with you it doesn't doesn't ever leave you and even, even to this day I, I worry about it I'm not surprised that you worry if you reach the pinnacle of technical knowledge in the world yeah. and you still have people men yeah. questioning or mansplaining there's a uh, again thanks to you know people like you uh, i've friends with uh, who point you in the direction of resources and trying to understand mm. more because it all starts with education and there's a, a project or website called the everyday sexism oh yeah people, yeah people just go on it and populate you only need to spend half an hour on there yeah um for hundreds of stories very similar to to yours and that just kind of life and career is tough enough as it is without yeah. this kind of little chipping away yeah. at your confidence and um sense of who you are and what you're trying to achieve yeah whereas let's be honest the majority of men we just blindly wander through you know <laughs> we don't don't give it that much thought but um it, but you are i was going to say if for a, for the younger version of you yeah. how what would you have benefited from um to help that's a good question, yeah. Um, 
I, th I think just having a role model of some kind. So, you know, even to this day, I would struggle to tell you a role model in tech, a female, you know, famous. You could you could rhyme off 500 million guys that work in tech. Um, to this day, I still don't have someone that I can look up to and say, you know, that that's who I'm aspiring to be or that's who I'm going to take some, you know, moral guidance and compass from. Um, so having someone like that would have, would have been massively helpful, um, even in school or um, from a university perspective, just to help guide um, that, that practice and kind of help me understand what was out there. You know, when I was at school, um, I was good at two things. I was good at sport and I was good at computing. Um, and I was say, they said to me, well, you can go and do computing science or you can go and do sports science. And I was like, and now I'm 38, nearly 39. If I had known what a job looked like when I was that age, holy moly, I, I, I probably wouldn't be in this situation that I'm in just now because I would have picked an entirely different career um, just yeah. based on what it is. And one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm really passionate about and Sabi we're doing more of is, um, is our graduate and our apprentice programme. Um, bringing on apprentices is, is mm. probably one of the best things that any business can do. And, and what I would say to young people is, don't turn your nose up at the opportunity of an apprenticeship because it is seen as a little bit like that stuff mm. even still mm. um but the opportunity that our apprentices are getting you know i've got a guy in my team just now he's 16 he's nearly as old as i have been at sabio um, and that's uh, scary <laughs> but how does he do it oh my goodness <laughs> but the the plan that we have set out for him in terms of what he's going to learn in that that apprenticeship program that that is what we need to go out to the market with in terms of speaking to young people about what they what they want and what they could potentially do now he's doing it as part of an apprenticeship program which is great but we need to take that and go hey everyone else this is what you could do if you worked in a company like sabu or you worked in the contact center industry look at the technology that we're doing look at the innovation that happens in contact centers today like that that wouldn't have happened when i was young but just having someone there to have that conversation with me would have completely changed the shape of where I went as a young person in terms of what I wanted to do and that to this day still isn't there um you know I'm speaking to my nieces and nephews just now and you know saying to them you know what is it you want to do and you get the same stock answers they want to be teachers hairdressers makeup artists astronauts you know they they don't they can't say to you yeah. oh, i want to you know go and work in technology i want to work in ai i want to work in robotics i want to and all of this stuff is happening in our industry right now um and if we just gave a bit more information then you know i think we the pipeline would be massive and then all of a sudden equality and diversity in the workplace just becomes a thing we do it doesn't become this massive mountain to climb because you've rebalanced the ship you, you know you've shifted that balance of um of, of people we have in the workplace it's no longer an 80 20 split it's all of a sudden you've got a 50 50 split and the the conversations are completely different just because we've brought the pipeline through and we're hiring for a more diverse workforce it's that that's the way i see is fixing it wouldn't it be a shame if young you know i'm talking five six we've got girls in our family who and and like the boys have nintendo switches or whatever and they love their technology wouldn't it be a shame if still now in this day and age that at a certain point they put that love of something to one side because they feel like they can't get a career in it you know yeah. so or they don't um, know it's out there they don't know exactly. that that is a career that they can mm. do and that that like you know if you if you say to your kids or your niece and nephew you know you love your video games you love 
you know all that do you know you can do that as a job and here's yeah. here's the path to get there and you yeah. know and, and schools are doing a lot don't get me wrong they're doing more coding and they're doing, yeah. doing all of that sort of good stuff but um you know showing them what that can then manifest itself into at the other mm. side if they, if mm. that's what they wanted to do that's the gap i think so yeah we can teach our kids computing and coding but we don't then show them what the opportunities are at the other side of that if that is their passion um we do you know we do it with engineering and everything else you know if you want to build bridges then yeah here's here's how you do that it's an easy we don't do that with tech and we particularly don't do it outside of the more historic technical roles around that kind of more design and um having that kind of customer experience mindset and how you use technology to provide that experience that that's the bit we're really quite poor on just now i would say and that's the bit where you can draw more women in because that's what we're what we're good at i'd love to come uh, arrange this again and do do some some further chats what would you i i heard you earlier i don't want to misinterpret it but say that you are open for not just people within Savio, but people, yeah. anyone that's listening that might want to get in touch with you and talk to you and kind of, because I think you, you've absolutely hit the nail on the head with role model. And uh, the other one, I guess, is community, right? Is mm. knowing that there are people that have been there, done it, who are passionate about kind of making a, a positive change. That's absolutely you. Yeah. Um, people were okay to get in touch with you and don't like oh, hope. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I just... Um, I recently uh, went on a coaching and mentoring course and I got certified in that. And off the back of that, um, the, there was a couple other people in the course. One worked in a university and the other one worked in a, a school um, for kids that need additional needs. And, uh, um, you know, I've already said to them as well, um, you know, if, if you want me to come and speak to the kids in, in school and show them what Savvy will do and what, what we, are, we are kind of working towards and what's available in the technology world, I'm, I'm up for doing that. So, yeah, 100%. If, if anyone even just wants a, a chat to talk through lived experiences and, and kind of, or they, even if they want a bit of coaching on ter in terms of how to, to move from where they are into the next thing that they want to do and they're not sure what to do and how to approach it if, if, if kind of the women in tech angle is there. And, absolutely I'm, I'm i'd be delighted to have you know I, I could talk about it for years um so yeah absolutely delighted to have conversations with anybody that wants to to reach out for sure Brilliant. and please do share um keep keep us updated if you're going to be doing um going to schools and things like that i'd love to yeah, see you do that and um lindsay thanks very much for coming on um genuinely let's let's do another one because i know uh it, this isn't enough time yeah. <laughs> you could talk about it for days and days but yeah especially when it's something you're so passionate about but yeah um, i'd love to do another one yeah it's been it's been great it's been um it's been a good experience for me as well to get out of my comfort zone a little bit so uh, well thanks yeah. thanks so much and thanks for um everything you've done i found this you know really motivational and i'm quite optimistic about the <laughs> the, the future if um, there's people like you kind of fighting the cause so Oh, good. That's all. That's all I can ask for. If 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 we change one one person, then uh, we're all good. Thank you so much. No, amazing. Thank you, Martin. I haven't really woken up oh, until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal, and I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it.